Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Hump Day edition of The Yard. I hope things are well with you wherever you are today. I hope it's a payday for you. It's also the first day of the NCAA Regionals. You know, we, we live all year for this time of year, right? I mean, it's like we're a baseball school. I mean, and we, we have fans that tweet Kendall Rogers, you know, about 300 days out of the year. Hey, stay going to host, stay going to host. Well, stay toasting. As I shared with you recently, we've only hosted five times this decade, this, this century, since, what, 99, I guess, since they went to the new format. So we're hosting. It's not anything we should ever take for granted. It used to be something that was kind of like an annual rite of passage for Mississippi State. We hosted a regional. The 16 regionals under Polk, I mean, it made perfect sense, and you know, we had the big ballpark, and everybody could make a few dollars. But, um, you know, times have changed a little bit. It's a lot more on merit now. But uh, I'm sure the NCAA doesn't mind the fact that uh, we can put about 13,000, 14,000 fans in that nice jewel of a ballpark that we got. But be that as it may, it's, uh, it's a big time, man. I- I'm excited. I'm ready to go. It's been a long and, and an emotional day for me. I'm not, I don't want to depress you guys, but uh, – Nothing's wrong with me, but uh, one of those days, man, where it just seems like that, uh, you know, I went to Stan Horton's visitation, and, uh, you know, that's, that's tough, man. I mean, it really is. You know, even though Stan and I weren't especially close or anything, we were just kind of social media friends, but, uh, yeah, it's tough, and especially when you, go, when you see the family there, and that's when reality kind of sets in. You know, it's one thing you see people's profile picture in their AVI and that sort of stuff, and you generally see people at their best, but then... Man, you go to a church and that kind of stuff, and you see uh, you see the family, man, and you can see you see the damage done. And it um, very emotional time, man. And uh, the thing that I have learned about I've learned so much from about Stan Horton this week. You know, for those of you that, that don't know, you know, Stan, a lifelong Mississippi State guy, and I actually found out from one of his cousins today when he was about seven or eight years of age, he wasn't quite sure if he wanted to be a state guy or an Ole Miss guy, and he went to the Egg Bowl, and we won, and that flipped him. So he was, uh, he was no longer teetering, as his cousin told me. But I've had many people reach out. Man, I bet I've had about 50 messages from former players or relatives of people that, that love Stan and, and just said, you know, number one, how devastating this is, but how overwhelmed they have been the support of the Mississippi State family. And I think that's when we're at our best. You know, it's one thing to get out here and, you know, we get after the Rebels and that kind of stuff, and it's all, you know, it's all rivalry and that, that stuff's fun. But that stuff's not real. I mean, you know, we feel like it's the end of the world when we lose. We feel like it's the best of times when we win. But I think when we are at our best as a Mississippi State family is when, when one of us truly needs something. When there is really a need, Mississippi State people always step up. I had one of Stan's relatives tell me, that, and this will stay with me, said you you learn a lot about the character of an institution by the people the people that are involved and i think that speaks well of us i really do and uh, again you know it's i spend a lot of time too talking to people about alcohol and drug abuse and and uh you know after a while i mean it's one of those things where uh, it has just kind of become you know part of my weekly life and i give that knowledge so freely because it keeps me sober. There's one thing they tell you in AA is you can't keep it if you don't give it away. So I give it freely. 
And it just it's so sad to me that there are so many people out there that don't feel like they, they have anywhere to turn, and so they basically turn to a complete stranger to talk about the problems. And I'm happy to listen, you know, anonymity guaranteed. But it's just kind of sad to me to think, you know, that there's there's not a relationship out there that uh, you know, the people feel comfortable enough with. And so if you're one of those kind of people, man, I hope you have somebody you can lean on and depend on. But uh, if you don't, reach out to me. No judgment here. I can promise you I have probably done worse. But it is a happy time for us because uh, we get a chance to reunite this weekend as a family. And some of you that don't suffer with uh, alcoholism, and some that do, will enjoy a cold one this weekend out at Duty Noble Field. We're going to break down the regional today, kind of give you an idea of uh, what each team has. You guys have probably heard by now that Will Bednar will start. It's probably not a shock to anybody to listen to the Boneyard on Wednesday, right? We, let's just say maybe I had a tip, okay? But also, too, it makes perfect sense because here's the thing about Chris Lamonis. Chris is about winning the game today. Let's don't mortgage our future and say, okay, well, game three, we'll do this. Let's win the game today. What gives us the best opportunity to win today? Well, when we are going to face nine right-handed hitters, it's probably best we throw a right-hander. Okay, so who is our best right-hander? What's Will Bednar? And I've read everybody say, well, why don't we throw Sarantola? And it's like, and it's the thing, too, and I'm not throwing any shade at Eric Sarantola. I love Eric Sarantola, one of the best kids on the team. But, you know, based on what you've seen from him this year, he's been a little erratic with his control. If, if, if Lamontis trotted Eric Sarantola out there tomorrow, it would be a near riot because he's just not ready for that environment. As much as I would love for him to be, he's just not ready for that. And so let's go win the game tomorrow. And so we'll bed in our throwing against a you know, lineup full of righties and that deadly slider he has. Hopefully we can go out there and have a big day. We're going to dig into Sanford a little bit later in the show in our next segment, and you'll, uh, you'll have pretty good appreciation of, uh, of their pitching staff, shall we say. You know, we ought to be able to score some runs. But with that in mind, you can't just say, okay, well, listen, let's just throw somebody else. Let's throw Cade Smith. Again, it's a, it's a freshman. It's not that I don't think he's going to be a big-time player for us, but that, that's a difficult environment to go out there basically – you know, with the season on the line and say, okay, kid, let's go win a ball game. You know, it's just, I, I just, I think as a manager, you have to make decisions that are the best for your ball club and your individual players. So we'll throw Bednar Friday, and I believe we're going to throw Christian on Saturday. I also like the fact that uh, Christian is getting a day to kind of watch a little bit. You know, a chance to just kind of settle in. Let's get into the environment a little bit. As I shared with you guys uh, on Wednesday, He's never even been in a dugout during an NCAA regional. We had the, uh, the 2019 postseason run. You know, he had to buy a ticket and sit in the stands. And so that's a lot to ask. It's to roll a guy out there and say, oh, here we go. And to be honest with you, I think at this point, Will Bednar, number one, has been our most you know, effective and most consistent pitcher. So just not even about the matchups, but, you know, like what guy on this staff right now do you trust to go get you a W right now? Would it give you absolute confidence? So you know what? I know every game he pitches, we've got a really good chance to win the ball game. What's Will Bednar? There's no question about that. You can say, well, you know, Christian's been kind of up and down. And listen, it's, it's been an every other weekend thing with him during the month of May. So this should be the weekend to be on, right? And we'll figure out next weekend. And, and we've had the discussion about the Houston Harding thing for a while. That guy is, is deadly out of the bullpen. 
We tried the starting thing on weekends. It just didn't quite work for us. And, and then people would say, well, you know, Steve, he threw so well against Sanford. You know, he did pretty good. But uh, he actually gave up, a, you know, I think three doubles in, in, in a couple of innings there. And we get out of the jam one time because we pick a guy off and another time Logan Tanner throws a guy out. So we had some base running miscues from Samford that kind of contributed to our ability to get out of the innings. And so it wasn't this dominant performance as some people have tried to suggest. I'm not going to dig all that up again and go through play-by-play because in the end it doesn't matter. But, I mean, it's just kind of baseball one-on-one that, you know, if you have a guy, number one, it's not a great matchup for him and they've already seen him, you know, it's probably best to throw somebody else. Now, that, that doesn't mean that I don't expect him to come out here and throw lights out in a ballgame for us. I do. I just don't think the Sanford thing was the way to go. And so I agree with the decision to throw Bednar because at this point, you know, you're not guaranteed anything at, at this point other than two games, right? So we win the first one, we're guaranteed two more. Well, you lose the first one, you're only guaranteed one more. And then who knows what's going to happen. And so rather than worry with that, let's just go ahead and, you know, let's extend our season and let's get the first one out of the way because you got to win those first two ball games. It's as simple as that. you got to go win the first two games. So the decision's been made. We'll kind of push ahead now and get excited about that. And uh, you guys should be. I'm excited. Let's go get a W. Speaking of wins, I know many of you are headed down to Starkville. I actually uh, broke bread with Daniel Bounds from Corinth, Mississippi, and his family uh, this evening in, uh, in Ripley. A little steakhouse up there. Nice meal. And uh, they're coming down and said, you know what, hey, we're going to stop at Bulldog Burger Company on our way to the ball game. They're going to leave pretty early, get down here and go to Bulldog Burger, enjoy the festivities, and then go over to the ball game and hopefully see Mississippi State win an intercollegiate baseball game. Many of you are going to make that same decision. I would encourage you to get here a little bit early, give yourself a little time, and if you're coming down from, uh, from up north, maybe stop in Tupelo and eat there at Bulldog Burger Company. Or maybe perhaps that you're uh, in the Jackson Metro area. You can swing through that brand new location uh, and watch di- watch a ball game and eat dinner tomorrow night. Maybe if you couldn't get tickets or maybe it's uh, it's difficult to get off work in time, couldn't get off early. So go to Bulldog Burger Company there in Ridgeland on Lake Harbor Drive and watch that. And uh, it's interesting, too. One of my good friends went, really excited about it. You know, said, hey, we usually go to Bulldog Burger when we come to Starville for the game. It's really nice to have one in our backyard. Bulldog Burger Company is taking over the world. Be a part of that movement. Go by and have the spring rolls and tell them that I sent you. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. All right, let's talk a little Samford Bulldog baseball. You guys should be somewhat familiar with Samford. It seems like we play them every year. So Samford has been on a bit of a run here. You know, we, we talked on this, about their schedule of the day about uh, – you know, they played some SEC teams, and they actually beat Auburn 35-22 and 22 overall. So let's kind of dig a little deeper here and get into the stats. We're going to see what who kind of qualifies as their ace, uh, Samuel Strickland. I don't know if you're familiar with Sam at all, but Sam's a left-hander, 6'2", 218, left-hander out of Birmingham, Alabama, a junior pitcher, uh, did his prep work there at Briarwood Christian. So he's a lefty. And so immediately people think, oh, my gosh, it's a lefty. Well, you know, we didn't do so well against a couple of lefties down there at the, at the Hoover, you know, the SEC tournament. You know, so I don't, I don't, I don't feel the least bit uh, surprised they're going to throw a left-hander. But, uh, you know, Strickland's not going to be at the same, 
know, talent level what we're used to. Strickland is 5-3 on the year with a 5.07 ERA. The number that jumps out to me, it's a huge number. Opponent's batting average against him is 315. 315, which is the highest among the major inning uh, you know, workers for them. I mean, as far as their regulars, that, that's a really, really big number. Uh, Strickland, 76.1 innings pitch, has allowed 98 hits. That's a ton. Usually you get a guy that, you know, you get excited if a guy's giving up a hit per inning, you know, because you think at some point we'll string some things together. Law of averages are working in our favor. You know, this guy's given up considerably more, almost 100 hits on the year. Allowed 49 runs, 43 of them earned, 69 Ks against 14 walks. So that, that's respectable. He has had the propensity to, uh, to give up the long ball. Seven home runs on the year. He has had one guy, Zach Hester, I think that'll be their Saturday guy. He's given up 14 dingers. And so Strickland is a lefty, so that's the first thing you look at and think, you know what, there are times that, uh, you know, those soft toss and lefties give us some trouble. But our splits against lefties are actually better because, uh, you know, we, we, can, we can put some right-handed bats in that lineup and, and swing it pretty well. And, you know, Tanner Allen hits everybody. It doesn't matter who you throw out there. So that's who we expect to see as a starter. He's been announced. Former Diamond Dog Jesse McCord appears to be their game three starter. You know, it seems like he's played, you know, forever and a day. McCord four and six on the year with a 7.28 ERA. And as a staff, they have not been very good. They've had to outscore people. And you say, well, Steve, that's the name of the game. But they, they've really had to go out and score some big runs. As a staff, they have an ERA of 6.12. Their opponents, 6.42. So, you, it makes sense, right? I mean, the quality of competition at times has kind of lend itself to, you know, Sanford being able to hit some dingers. But um, but that's the guy you're going to see. Now, let's look at the uh, the batting order here. They got some guys out there that can rake a little bit. And, you know, Birmingham is a baseball crazy town, so it doesn't surprise me that they've got some guys maybe that were just kind of beneath that major D1 recruitment. You know, Alabama-Auburn didn't get them. Maybe UAB didn't. Maybe Jacksonville didn't. But, you know, Samford, it's a great school. It's a great campus and a great location. And so I can see why, you know, it would be advantageous for you know, a young man to go there. I mean, I've been there for to watch Mississippi State play baseball, covered a game over there in uh, 2019, and I've been over there for some seven-on-seven camps. And so it is a beautiful campus. So they're going to have some talent. Uh, Tyler McManus is their leading hitter with a 335 batting average. They have just three guys hitting over 300, but that, you know, that's not the stat it used to be. You know, used to, it's like, hey, it was a bunch of guys doing it, but nowadays with the pitchers throwing the way they are, you don't have a lot of regulars that are hitting over 300. Looking at these uh, numbers for Tyler, 11 dingers, which uh, is tied for second on the team, 52 ribbies, uh, 12 doubles. Played a lot of baseball. For sure. Out of Slidell, Louisiana, he's a catcher. Catcher him 25, Tyler McManus. So kind of be mindful of that as we get into the ballgame. That's probably a, n- a name and number to remember. Uh, Brooks Carlson hitting 302. Another guy that kind of finds his way on base. Has not been a full-time starter for them, but he has started the majority of the games. He is a kind of a utility guy. Plays on the infield. He's uh, started had 47 starts this year. 54 hits, 
Uh, got six dingers, 37 ribbies. Will David hitting 301. Another another infielder there out of Atlanta, Georgia. Not a big power guy, but a guy that can uh, you know, move runners around. One name I want you to be mindful of is Max Pinto. Max Pinto is 20 for 27 in stolen bases. And to kind of put that in perspective, they've only stole 47 as a club, and he's got 20 of them. So this is a guy to get out and run. They're not a team that runs an awful lot, but they're kind of effective when they do. I guess, uh, you know, Will David's four for four, and then uh, Towns King, seven of eight. Uh, Taylor Garris, five of seven. You know, so they're, they're pretty effective when they go. They just don't run an awful lot. Pinto is a guy that will pick it up and move just a little bit, you know. So uh, he's an outfielder out of uh, Miami, Florida, Westminster Christian down there. So, you know, this is going to be a team that has grown accustomed to winning. There's not a lot of guys in this lineup you look at and say, okay, you got to pitch around this guy. But you've got some guys like you know, Sonny Deshara. He can swing it a little bit. You know, 15 bombs for him. First base from out of Hoover, Alabama. And I remember watching him before. You know, he, when we played against him the first time. You know, this is a guy, too, you, when he walks up there, you can see, hey, this, this guy looks like a clubber. You know, he really does. You kind of understand it. If I remember correctly, maybe I'll check these numbers for you. I don't remember him doing much against us. And uh, I've got his numbers pulled up right here. Yeah, he went 0 for 3 against us. But uh, that's a guy, too. You know, it's a mistake hitter. You know, so we'll see how things progress. You know, it's so easy to – you can kind of talk yourself into a state of anxiety this time of year. You know, during the regular season, it's almost like you can talk yourself into, a, you know, false confidence, right? Because you've got the whole year to figure it out. So if you go lose a ball game, like, ah, oh, it's no big deal. It's part of baseball. Well, this weekend, it can't be just baseball. You know, we've got to go win ball games. And so what happens is a lot of times things are amplified a little bit. With 13,000-some-odd people at the baseball games, you know, every pitch is going to be magnified. Everybody's going to be hanging on every pitch. And I share with you guys, too, on Gene's page, I wrote an article. You know, many – like, I would suspect, and I haven't done the math on it, there probably haven't been 13,000 people that have watched Campbell baseball all year that visited Campbell University. You know, I think their biggest game, if I remember correctly – uh, Campbell, they they played maybe – let me think here for a second. I don't remember. But I guess they played – they were in front of 650 people last week in the Big South Tournament when they lost to the Presbyterian Blue Hose. Virginia Commonwealth, they uh, played a game against Virginia that had 1,000 fans, or Virginia Tech, and then nine – I guess 971 against UVA. So, you know, we're going to have that many people in line to use the bathroom. And that's a little bit hyperbole, but you kind of understand my point. And Landon Sims even mentioned that today, but, you know, the first time you go out there in front of a big crowd, it's a different deal. It just is. It's still the same game, but it's a lot different deal when you got 13,000 people cheering for you rather than against you. And so it's easy to get caught up in the environment there and the atmosphere and that become a factor for the opponent. You know, Dirty Noble Field's a tough place to play. And when we played Arkansas, they jumped on McLeod so quickly they took the crowd out of the ball game. And that's one of the things I implore you guys to do is, listen, we don't you – know, we probably only got a maximum of what, you know, what, what seven games left. Hopefully it's only five. 
But, you know, we only got a handful of games left. You know, let's stay engaged here. And listen, I know there's a party going on out in the left field lounge. I get it. But especially you guys in the grandstand. I mean, we really got to stay engaged, make it loud, get that maroon and white chant going. Let those people think, man, is, is the ground fixing to open up and swallow us whole? You know how it works. You guys make a difference. And it's important that people come to be participants in the game and not just spectators of the game. You know, this, no golf claps, right? Got to go out there and have an emotionally charged event. I'm not saying we want to make it, you know, rowdy or disrespectful. I'm just saying let's make it a difficult place to play. And I know that I can count on our folks out there in right field. I, I, know, <laughs> I know what's going to happen out there. Yeah, and I know our students are going to be out there. They do such a good job, too, man. There, there are so many students out there. I got so much respect for you guys, man. I wish sometimes I'd come out there and watch a game with you. But there are so many of our students out there that um, they have some fun with the right fielders. And let's just keep it clean. But, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those deals that's just kind of part of playing in a big ballpark like this. And how many times do you hear about it after a ball game? Like just like we saw with Stanford, you know, we beat them, and they all went and took pictures with guys in the lounge and jumped up in the in the stands because it was a great environment. It's unlike anything else. So, as we get ready to play Stanford, they have played in front of the biggest crowd of anybody the opponents were going to play. Then that's when they played us. It's a thirty-two hundred crowd, and I don't know if there wasn't many people there. But when they came and played us, that was the biggest crowd I think they saw all year. So the dude effect is a real thing. And I suspect that uh, the people that are coming to Dirty Noble Field have never experienced anything like it. Bulldogs need to play well. Had a chance to visit with Chris Monis a little bit earlier today. Bulldog fans, rodeo season is here. I tried the Dixie National Rodeo. Get ready to roll, man. And uh, I remember being a kid, that was like the biggest highlight for us. My grandmother would get us tickets every year, and me and my brother would wear our cowboy outfits. We'd put our boots on, have our chaps, our vest, and we'd go up there, and just in case one of the cowboys got a little bit scared to get on a horse or a bull, we were willing to do it. Yeah, for sure. Guys, boots aren't just for going out to a country western bar and doing a little boot scooting. Maybe you got a little Texas two-step in your game. Tacovas can make you look better than ever. Absolutely. And here's the deal, too. That's the thing. The versatility of Tacovas is you can wear them somewhere nice or you can live life where you don't go gently. That's what Tacovas does for you. Yeah, it's a rugged, handsome boot. It's my favorite boot brand, and it should be yours, too. Be sure and check them out. Tacovas believes in Western for all people, and you can feel that when you go into their stores, when you walk in, you'll be greeted like family, offered a boot shine and a drink, and maybe even an adult beverage if you prefer, and you can get custom fitted for a new pair of Tacovas boots. You can get custom leather stamping or branding, whatever you need to make it feel somewhat individual. Look up your closest store at tecovis.com. But if you can't make it to a store, Tecovis delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And you know what, partner? Point your toes west. 
Today's podcast is brought to you by Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast. What's the best way to help you and your finances thrive? The answer can be overwhelming with all the financial misinformation out there. Fortunately, you can turn to Nerd Wallet's objective finance journalists to set things straight and help you make smart decisions with your own money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bill so I don't dread April every single year, managing finances with a partner without causing a breakup, putting away more money for retirement since I'm not going to do this podcast forever. Sorry, folks. And also boosting my credit score since good credit is like a real-life cheat code. Saving for an emergency fund because life is like a good movie. It loves a good plot twist. The nerds also explain the real impact that the latest financial headlines could have on your life. Weekly financial check-ins with smart money help you spend more time doing what matters and less time worrying about what doesn't. Let NerdWallet's trusted experts untangle today's web of financial misinformation. Listen to NerdWallet's smart money podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Hey, for a few minutes, and, and Chris has said we had a great week of practice. Not a good week, great week of practice. And I really believe, just kind of talking to some of the guys, that giving him a couple days off was probably the best thing. Give him a chance to flush it a little bit and kind of get away from the game a little bit. When the game's playing you tough, sometimes you need a break. Let mom and daddy hug you on you a little bit. You know, go spend some time with your friends. Just kind of disengage for a little while. Give him a chance to hit the reset button and get going again. You know, they're about to go through a real pressure cooker. And it's been that way all year. You know, we were in the middle of the SEC chase up until, the, you know, the final two weekends of the season. Then we go out there and get blasted in Hoover, you know. So sometimes, uh, yeah, the pressure gets to you a little bit. So you take a step back and get a deep breath and get ready to go again. So I feel good about what I'm hearing. And, uh, and listen, I talk to enough people, too. Like, when, when things are not right, it gets out. I mean, I always share all the details with you, but there are sometimes I'll hear, yeah, well, you know, so-and-so's got this going on or whatever. So-and-so's got this. And, you know, maybe you got to, you know, tender groin or hammy or something like that. I'm not hearing any of that right now. So I think we're good to go. And there's so many people that have said, you know, hey, listen, Mississippi State's got a cakewalk regional. We absolutely don't. But I'm kind of tired of defending that, to be honest with you. You know, we didn't ask for any of this. We didn't say, hey, listen, go do this for us and go do that for us. You know, the NCAA selection committee made those decisions. And I, and I love the fact that, you know, that so many on the Ole Miss side are just trying to paint, you know, John Cohen as, uh, you know, John Dillinger. Like, you know, Cohen just can wave a magic wand and make anything happen. And, and it's it's so incredible. Like, well, you know what he was doing? He put that that dominant left-hander from SEMO in there as a four just to make us throw Nikhazy. Let me, let me assure you guys, it's never that deep. Nobody gets that deep in a thing and say, okay, well, listen, if we, if we send this team to Ole Miss, who will they pitch? Oh, well, if they throw him, then they've got to pitch this guy. I mean, it's almost narcissistic. I mean, I know that comes as a big shock to think that somebody else would take this responsibility and be so cavalier about it to say, yeah, I want to match those guys up with this, this one kid because I know they can't hit left-handers, and that will force them to have to burn one of their best pitchers early on. It's just not that deep. Not to mention there are 11 people on this committee. I mean, do you think John Cohen just goes up there and stands on a table and says, okay, guys, I was the baseball coach. Here's what we're going to do. It's not how it works. He's one voice in the room. And if you think for one second that, uh, you know, those people from, you know, those smaller conferences, if you really think they're part of some conspiracy to screw Ole Miss, I mean, you're just kidding yourself. I mean, it's, 
it's absolute insanity. Some of the things that I've read. That's why I'm so ready for these ball games to be played, because I'm ready for us to talk about baseball and not about the selection process and not about collective RPI among opponents. Let's just go play some baseball games. And I get so fired up sometimes, too. I'm trying to remain calm now. As I told you guys, it's been a long day. I could go on and go to bed right now, I could promise you. Um, but, you know, people get so, so bent out of shape about stuff they don't know anything about. And I just kind of laugh at myself, and I think, you know, it's like the old Mark Twain quoted, so it's better to be thought a fool than to open your mouth and remove all doubt. It's amazing to me how many people claim to be, you know, big college baseball fans and not understand how the selection process works. So it's not designed to be fair. It's not supposed to be even. It's just like in the NCAA basketball tournament. You know, the number one seed plays the number 16 seed. Well, why do they do that? That's not fair. Well, yes, it's fair. Because the team has gone out there and demonstrated they got the best season, they're rewarded with a one seed. So they get an easier path in the bracket. That's how brackets work. I know some people are unfamiliar, but that's how brackets work. You can say, oh, Mississippi State's got a much easier road to Omaha than Ole Miss. Yes, we've earned that. We have absolutely earned it. You know, you guys want to have the same kind of the same caliber bracket as us? How about win some ball games? How about that? We've beat them 16 out of 19 times, won the series again this year. So why, why should they? Why should they have an easier path? They weren't a top eight national seed. They, did, they didn't even finish in the top two in the conference. They didn't even finish top two in the West. And so you're the third place team in your own division, and you're complaining because other teams ahead of you that had better seasons have an easier path to Omaha. I mean, what? Are you kidding me? Well, of course we do. And again, it's not designed to be fair. It's designed to be equitable based on the performance that you had all season long, not in one week. Oh, well, we lost, uh, you know, five out of ten SEC series, but look at us, man. We had a really good few days in a Hoover, you know, when half the teams there didn't really care. But look how we did. Great. Super. It's kind of like raiding a kid off one camp. You know, it's like, okay, well, we saw this kid at a camp in February. But, yeah, but look at his film. Yeah, yeah, but I saw him at a camp. I saw him at a camp in T-shirt and shorts. He was really good. Well, I turn his film on, and, and he uh, runs away from players, and not towards the end zone. He runs out of bounds. I know a few old Miss running backs did that too, right? In high school, it's like all, all of a sudden, you know, when we're playing uh, – you know, what's that a magnet school there, Bailey Magnet and Jackson? We're playing Bailey Magnet and Jackson. We're ready to run over somebody, but all of a sudden we got to go play South Panola. We run out of bounds. That's, that's, kind of, that's kind of the Ole Miss thing. And when you go, we go up and play against somebody that you know, can't defend themselves, let's pour it on. But then when we got to go man-to-man, equal competition, oh, oh, wait a minute, this isn't fair. Sometimes I think Ole Miss people would prefer, like, if they played with – like an extra outfielder. You know what I'm saying? Like they had the short fielder, like the old softball, right? It's incredible to me. I mean, either you're elite or you're not. You know, I remember here recently, you know, we had to, uh, we had to go to a regional Florida State because that's what we had earned. We had to go on the road, and it was just, what, three years ago, a couple of days ago, Elijah Magnum hit the home run. We're down to our final strike. 
in a ball game that we've been down two nothing at the rain delay. They dropped, they tried Drew Parrish out there. We make them pay. Oh, State got lucky. No, we didn't get lucky. We played the full nine innings. That's the thing. It's baseball's nine inning game. And so we won. You go back and look too. We, we, how many times we've we been to Florida State? It seems like we're always seeing Florida State, and we always seem to find a way to beat them. And then all of a sudden, Ole Miss gets Florida State for the first time in forever, and all of a sudden it's like, wait a minute. Isn't Bobby Bowden still the coach there? You know, it's, it's so ludicrous and ridiculous. So, again, I don't feel the need for us to defend our bracket. Let's just go win some ball games. And you know what? I, I, I don't care what they do. I hope they lose. I hope they go 0-2. But I'm not going to be engaged over there and kind of keeping up with all that stuff because, you know, my focus is on Mississippi State get back to Omaha. And I hope that's yours too. And then if they lose, that's just a bonus. It's just a bonus. And I, and I love the fact, too, that so many of their, quote, experts were saying, oh, yeah, well, Southern Miss will be in Starkville. No. No. And, again, that's people that don't understand how the process works. You got a Southern Miss team that was on the cusp of hosting and then they get walked off twice by Louisiana Tech. So Tech gets the host spot. But that's how close Southern was. So they're one of the stronger two seeds. So why would you send them to a national seed? Again, ignorance of the process. It's more wishful thinking. It's like, oh, we would love for Southern Miss to go to Mississippi State because we don't want to play them. Because we're going to play MUW. We're going to play Wesley College. We're going to play Pervert Community College. You know, that, that's the kind of stuff that just drives me crazy. You know, that's a thing, and I, and I shared this earlier with some friends. And I'm going to share this with you, and then we're going to move on to the top ten list, and then we'll, we'll look at uh, Campbell and VCU. So, at Mississippi State, and I'm not just talking about this season. I'm just talking about as a program. At Mississippi State, we don't need you to play bad in order for us to win a ball game. That helps, but we don't need you to do that. Because we can beat you at your best. Because we are an elite program. And we can go out there, and if we play up to our potential, we can beat anybody in the country. Because we're Mississippi State. We are an elite. We are a brand. You know, we haven't been to Omaha 11 times by accident. We've gone in the 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000, 2010s. And about to have uh, another one. Hopefully it's this year. You know, we have consistently been a great program. I mean, you go all the way back to the Ted Milton years and Mike Kelly and Dave Ferries, Whoopstick, Yard Dog, all those guys. Man, I mean, listen, that's what we do. We are a baseball school. We are a baseball power. No, we don't have the national championship yet, and that is the burn, the, the bulldog saddle for all of us. But it doesn't erase the fact that we are a national power. And so there's so many people out here that want to lower the hurdles. It's like, oh, man, we, you know, we, we got to get this, got to get that. Listen, I think at Mississippi State, our attitude is just shut up and pitch. You know, you, I mean, you're not going to talk me into a victory. You're not going to talk me into uh, to me you know, forfeiting. Just shut up and pitch. You throw to dadgum baseball. Let's go. Because we're Mississippi State. You know, we're the people of Palmero and Clark and Brantley and Thigpen, Jake Mangum, Brent Rooker. 
you know, the reason those names mean something, not just to us, but around the Southeastern Conference, is because they can beat you at your best. And so when I look at Mississippi State baseball, I don't, I don't fear teams like Florida State. Because I think at worst, we're even with those guys. And I think most years, we're better than those guys. And we have proven that. And just so you know, our record all-time against Florida State, 7-7. Seven and seven. So, we're at least as good as them. But we're certainly not scared of them. Nor should we. And those are the things that I think about, too. It's like, you know, when we talk about you know, either you're a leader or you're not. You know, if you're an elite team, you don't need, you don't need the cushy regional. And say, well, you know, Steve, you, you guys, we'd, I bet you wouldn't want to trade with us and play Florida State. Sure. That's fine. Y'all go ahead and make a phone call. We're not scared of Florida State. We're not scared of Ole Miss either. And I don't believe we're scared of Arkansas. I think we would love to play Arkansas again. Because if we do, it means we're playing for a national championship. But I don't think Mississippi State baseball is scared of anybody else, nor should they be scared of anybody else. I think if you, y'all guys want to send anybody in here for a regional, that's fine. That's fine. Because, again, we don't need you to play poorly in order for us to win. And that's the thing that I think about, too, is like, you know, when, you, when you've got confidence in your ability, you know, there have been times in my life, whether it be sports or business or whatever, you know, I'd always joke around with people and say, you know what, I, I might let you lead a lap every once in a while, but I'm crossing the finish line alone. And I, I don't want you to come out here and have any excuses. I want to beat you at your best. Because I, I don't want you to come back later and say, well, well, I wasn't feeling good that day. No, no, no. I, I, want, I want it to be like your best birthday, Right. Because I'm a competitor. And I want to be able to, you know, I, I don't even have to say anything. But because I win, you don't get to say anything either. Except Mr. Robertson can have a rematch. And so those are the things that I think about with these regionals that, that just fires me up. Because I think it's a chance for us to prove again that we're a national power. And once we get that national championship, we are going to be one of those people. I mean, we are going to be, oh my gosh, we are going to be insufferable. But I go back to something John Cohen told me at the beginning of the year in an interview. He goes, you know, man, he goes, I want it for our fans even more so than our players. And I thought, really? And he goes, oh, yeah. He said, I think our fans have put even more into it than our players. I mean, we built that great stadium because of all of you. We didn't, we didn't just build it for players. We built it so you guys could have pride and what we have, and have a better fan experience. I mean, I travel this conference all the time, man. I go to these places, and, and I, I see all these people on Twitter talking about how great their stadiums are, and I said, well, you hadn't traveled. You hadn't traveled. You hadn't been anywhere. And the more that I travel, the more I appreciate what we have. And as I was walking up to Dirty Noble Field today, I thought, man, I just still can't believe this is our place. I, I still can't believe it. I remember it wasn't too long ago when we had those uh, – you know those bat wraps around the uh, the concrete poles outside of the old dude, and we were, and I remember when they installed them, we were so happy to have them, right? And look at what we have now. We're only missing one thing. We're only missing one thing. All right, let's get the top ten list brought to you by the fine folks at JohnnyPacker.com, and and uh, those guys are back with us again for the month of June. How cool is that? 
I want to thank all of you that have uh, reached out and uh, viewed johnnypacker.com. If you're looking for sunglasses, and you don't, you should be, go to johnnypacker.com. You can find some great frames, great prices, named after Mississippi town. It's got the Hollywood style with a, with a golden triangle flare. This is a company run by Mississippi State people. So you're doing business with Bulldogs, and I always recommend that. Always recommend doing business with Bulldogs. I think we should support each other any, any chance we get. Within reason, right? But also, too, you know, uh, John C. Packers have gathered his struggle with cystic fibrosis, and a portion of every purchase is donated directly to the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation. If you're in Collierville, go by and see Brandon. If you're ordering online, let me encourage you use promo code Boneyard, save 10% off the purchase. These are great frames that'll fit your face. They don't ride up. They don't pinch your nose. They're very well balanced, well constructed. And listen, if you go on the website and it shows that maybe something is sold out, don't panic. Use that contact us form. Let them know what you're looking for. They can get it for you. Because what's happened is since that website has opened up and these guys have begun marketing with us, you you guys are buying those sunglasses out with a little greater regularity and so sometimes the inventory has a tough time keeping up but they have new arrivals pretty much every day and sometimes they don't have the opportunity to update the site because once they do like they get you know half a dozen of these frames in and then uh, they're sold and then all of a sudden the process kind of repeats so if you're what you're looking for shows sold out don't panic send a message and again promo code boneyard save 10 percent all right, today we're going to do a great one, man. Oh, I'm so excited about this list. And uh, we, we had a couple of other things going on, and I changed them. So I had a couple people reach out. I had a lot of great suggestions. Roy has put the list together. We've updated the list. But I was just thinking about, man, some of my favorite bands and sort of stuff. And and uh, I was almost embarrassed. And I, I text Roy. I was like, man, we haven't done Lenny Kravitz. Man, I am a Lenny Kravitz freak. It's one of the main reasons I have dreads, because I think Lenny Kravitz is the coolest guy on the planet, man. What an amazing story. He's lived an amazing life. He's done so much positive things. And, and uh, living down in New Orleans, he was very, very involved in music education down there, uh, funded some things down there for them. It's just a, He's an incredible human being. He usually plays jazz fast. So I'm a huge Lenny fan, not just as a musician, but as a person. And and of all the bands that I have seen, and all the bands that I love, I've never seen Lenny Kravitz play live before. And so I got to get that done. That's on the bucket list. I got to get that. I cannot believe that. It's like, it's like every time he gets ready to tour, I got something going on. So I could have put a top 30 together because, again, I'm a Lenny fan. And so I have, I guess, seven Lenny Kravitz albums. I think that's right. Probably need to get the rest of them too. But it's, you know, it's, it's hard to spend that money when you can just download on Apple Music, right? But um, but I've got several honorable mentions, and there's a couple on these honorable mentions. You're going to hear them, you're going to think, Steve, I can't believe they didn't make the list. Well, again, it's my list. But, um, you know, I to me, I think Lenny began to kind of find his sound with his second album, and then we got into, um, you know, Are You Going to Go My Way? And we got into uh, the Circus album. And, and, uh, and so I think, you know, the earlier days were a little bit different, a little bit different. And so I think it took him some time to kind of find his voice and find that funky sound. So here are the honorable mentions. Uh, Mr. Cab Driver, 
That's maybe the first one you guys have heard of. Rock and Roll is Dead and Let Love Rule. And I've got a quick story about Let Love Rule, too. So one of my sisters used to date a guy from Canton Academy that played quarterback named Keith Jones. And Keith came to school at Mississippi State, and I was up here on a school trip and uh, went looking for Keith and ended up uh, you know, staying up here and spending a weekend at Mississippi State with Keith, which is a big thrill when you're you know, a high school kid. And Keith's roommate turned me on to Lenny Kravitz. He had Let Love Rule going all the time. And uh, so that song today, when I was listening to that, reminded me of Keith. I don't know where Keith is today. Keith was cool to me. It didn't work out, he and my sister. But uh, I'd love to hear from him. So, Keith, if you're out there, hit the DMs, man. love to catch up. All right, so uh, I'm a Believer. That's another one that uh, I absolutely love. That's off the Strut album. I'll Be Waiting is a great one. The new one off um, Move Vibration is called Low. It's a pretty cool track, too. Uh, Lady, that's another one that's really probably underrated. Tunnel Vision is off the Circus album. And probably my favorite deep track on the Circus album, which is one of my absolute favorites of Lenny's, is a song called Magdalene. It is, uh, you know, it's a typical story, you know, about a young girl that's, you know, going to go to Hollywood and make it big and, you know, ends up making some bad decisions. But the music on that is just phenomenal. I couldn't believe they didn't make that a single. I mean, that's how good it is. So, you know, if you're just getting into Lenny or perhaps you're just kind of a peripheral fan of Lenny, go back and listen to that Circus album. I think that was an important album in his career. He said it was a dark time in his life, and so the album was kind of dark. I think the, I think it's one of his most diverse albums from start to finish. So here's the top ten. So with that many great honorable mentions and the fact that Let Love Rule didn't make the list, and I tell you another one that didn't make the list is American Woman because it's a cover, and Roy didn't believe me, and I had to prove it to him. The American Woman cover from, uh, I guess that was from um, Awesome Powers, Two, maybe the spy who shagged me, maybe. Um, but American Woman's a cover. It's just the the arrangement is different. All right, so here are my top ten, and some of these are not singles. Some of these are just great songs, and I'm, I'm eager to see how this list does because I know many of you love Lenny, and I think really I really think this is a great representation of Lenny Kravitz's music because I think many of you are going to hear some songs that perhaps you're not as familiar with that are great. And that starts with number 10. It's a song called Heaven Help. And uh, it's basically about, you know, Lenny Kravitz had gone through a, a, a bad breakup and took some time to heal. And he's like, I'm, I'm ready to get back into relationships. And you know, the song is like, heaven help this person that gets involved with me. Heaven help the one that walks through my door. It is a great, great song. And it's a great concept for a song. Uh, number nine, I believe, oh, excuse me, I belong to you. That's another great one there. And I love the percussion on this, and I love the use of uh, some alternative percussion there. You can hear uh, some of that in there as well. I Belong to You is a great, great song. Number eight, it's a song about his mom, Roxy Roker, who was on, um, uh, man, what, what was the name of that show? The Jeffersons. She was on The Jeffersons. And uh, the song is called Thinking of You. It's a very deeply personal song. It's uh, written directly to her after she had passed away. It says a lot about him. 
Number seven, and this is a song that many people that got many people into Lenny Kravitz, and he used his falsetto extensively on the song, but it's it ain't over till it's over. A song written to Lisa Bonet. Uh, Lisa, but she's changed her name since then. But Lisa Bonet from the Cosby Kids, of course, she married Lenny Kravitz, and some of you young people will know Lenny from his daughter Zoe. Zoe Kravitz, who was a model, is the daughter of Lisa Bonet and Lenny Kravitz, and so this was a song about their relationship and they're still very very close it's just a different deal uh, number six and this is i believe off five and it's the song fly away and uh, it's a cool video too it's a d- different effect where it kind of the the screen kind of bounces with the bass drum the fly away is a, a is an amazing track number five and this is some of you that know lenny would say i'm surprised this song is as high as it is um and that's cool but it's off the album Lenny, and it's the song Dig In. And one of the things I love about this song is I love the tone and the drums. You know, there are some people that mic the drums a certain way. I don't know what they do with Lenny, but you know, he's got that great female drummer. She is great. Um, but I love the way per- the percussion sounds on this. It's just, to me, it just jumps through the speakers. It just reaches out and grabs you. So Dig In. It's a very positive song. Number four, great video, great song. And at some point, we've all been here. And it's the song again. I know some of you would have that number one. And it, there have been times in my life it's probably number one for me too. But it's a song, you know, all of my life, where have you been? I wonder if I'll ever see you again. Uh, the lyricism is great. The arrangement of the song is great. The instrumentation, instrumentation is great. The video is great. Listen to that several times when I was getting ready for this list. Uh, going back, second album, Mama Said, there's a song called Always on the Run that it features Slash from Guns N' Roses. This was like when MTV used to play music, which is weird, I know. This was one of those that they played all the time. It was kind of like, you know, kind of like the octane accelerator it's like this is a high this is an artist to watch and i think the fact that slash was involved gave lenny a lot of credibility with the rock community even though it's it's a different kind of rock but i think this is one of those songs too that really kind of put lenny over number two also off the circus album it's i can't get you off my mind and it's almost a country song and I love how Lenny sings it. I love the, the falsetto in it. I love, it's so incredibly personal and relatable. And that's the best thing about music. There are some people that kind of write in riddles and you kind of learn all that and it's kind of cool. But what I love about Lenny Kravitz is that he basically is writing every man and woman's story. It's like it, every, every song he writes is relatable to the entire population in some respects. But number one, and it's a song written about Jesus Christ title track are you going to go my way and it is another one of those songs too you know exactly what you're listening to when it comes on again great percussion that opening riff i i suspect when lenny and craig found that opening riff they probably just looked at each other and said you know what have we got here because to me that is the signature song the signature riff and that video is incredible absolutely incredible won several awards but that's my top 10. Your top 10 may differ. Tell me where I'm wrong. Reach out. Let me know. But I love Lenny Kravitz, man. I absolutely do. And it's so great, too, that there are so many 
very talented musicians out there they're actually good people and you don't hear enough about that you hear about you know the tmz stuff when somebody does something stupid or you know they pushed a cameraman or you know had had a car accident you just don't get those kind of things with lenny kravitz and that's not to say he's a perfect person but you know more times than not what you're reading about is how he's donated some money to to a a school or something that kind of helped fund a music project very very down-to-earth guy and uh has had a difficult life i mean he was born obviously uh as a person of privilege but has had a lot of problems and has come out the other side and is still a very positive person. And so because he is an overcomer, I'm a fan. And there are so many songs, too, we didn't get to today. And that's the thing I love about Lenny Kravitz is you can just put on one album and just let it roll. You don't have to just listen to the Greatest Hits album. And when I travel a lot of times, too, that's what I do. I put on a couple of any albums back-to-back that maybe, you know, don't have the hits on them, and I find some new favorites. Like that, I'm a, like the Strut album is one of those more recent ones, and there's a song on there called "Dirty White Boots" that's just crazy. I mean, it's just crazy good. So I won't belabor the point too long. If you guys have a suggestion for the top ten list, reach out. Let me know. I hope you enjoy Lenny. I hope many of you that maybe are just kind of casual fans of Lenny Kravitz, I hope that you'll listen to the Spotify list that Roy puts out, and you can find that on Spotify, Dogmatic67. You can also follow him on Twitter, at Dogmatic67. But my hope is that you'll get into this and say, you know what, I've always liked a couple Lenny Kravitz songs, and I guarantee you if you listen to this list, you're going to come away a bigger fan. All right, time for us to move on and get ready for our next preview with Campbell, brought to you by Campus Bookmark. Campus Bookmark, longtime sponsors of this show, great friends of mine, great friends of yours, Miss Kathy Brown, an incredible buyer. Like if there's anything out there where it's got the M over S on it, she's already got it for you. It's incredible the stuff she can find. Standing man, you know, just a great retailer, man. He's just, he's exactly who you want running the shop. You go by and meet them and the lovely, talented Susie. I mean, that's worth the price of admission in and of itself. But if you can't make it to town, visit them on the World Wide Web at campusbookmart.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase to pay. That's BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And that gets you free shipping on all orders over $50. Any order less than 50 bucks, absolutely incomplete. That's a great deal. And anytime we can save you a little money, we want to. And so we've got a couple promo codes to kind of encourage you uh, to spend some money with our sponsors because they allow us to bring you this, this great programming, right? I mean, this is what we get you through today. It's the Boneyard. So go by and see Stand Man, but if not, definitely hit them up on the link, campusbookmart.net, promo code BSR. Let's talk a little bit about Campbell. We've never played the Camels. We've never played Campbell or VCU. It's interesting to me. You would think, you would think, you know, as much as we played, and these are teams, you know, in the South, that at some point we would have crossed paths with them, but we haven't. So let's, if I can find it here, it's like sometimes like I'll, I'll put this stuff together, put these tabs together, and then I will mistakenly uh, drop something. So Campbell's going to play VCU, and so that's going to be the uh, the second game for us. And I've explained to you guys too how it's a competitive advantage for us to play the first game. And listen, the forecast continues to change for us. It looked like the weather was clearing up, and we might get some rain on on Sunday. Now it's looking like we might get some on Saturday and Sunday, which makes that decision to play at two o'clock on Friday even smarter. We get into some delays and stuff. That's going to be good for us. We don't want to be out there chasing a ball game and 
you know, having to kind of work through pitching and, and get guys going. We don't, don't want to have a Drew Perry situation where we have a guy sit through a through a rain delay and get stiff and have to trot him back out there, and he's ineffective. But um, ineffective, excuse me. So let's jump in here and look at the Campbell stuff. You know, I have no clue who we'll see or if we're even going to play those guys. I think it's interesting. I watched their little video and how excited they are to be here. And uh, they seem to think that the crowd's not going to be a big factor. And that's – they said, well, we went to East Carolina. That was great. Guys, this is not ECU. <laughs> Absolutely not ECU. This is going to be a lot different. One of the guys even admitted he's probably going to be twice as many people there. Yeah, and they're going to be twice as loud too. So looking at ECU – I mean, probably listening, looking at Campbell here, that's how you know it's all one take, right? <laughs> so – 35 and 16 overall, and they were really good at home. 22 and 5 at home. I mean, this is a team. This is a team that has done a good job protecting themselves. On the road, though, just 11 and 9. Just 11 and 9 on the road. So not a great road team. And that's one of the things too. And when, when you get into the postseason, you better be a great road team, or you'll be on the road home pretty quickly. So just kind of looking at it's a peripheral view here. We're not going to spend a lot of time on this because again, don't know exactly who all we're going to see, but. Um, They've got a kid named Zach Neto, or Neto. Zach, I apologize. He's hitting 414. 414, 10 dingers, 55 ribbies, and 12 of 16 stolen bases. That is absolutely legit. Three triples, number two for them. Also pitches a kid out of Miami, and he's just a freshman. You start looking at that, and you start thinking, you know, this is a kid that might be in a transfer portal. We need to kind of keep an eye on him. Those, I don't care what league you're playing in, when you're hitting over 400 and you've got 157 at-bats, you're legit. I love it, man. Uh, Spencer Packard is hitting 377 for them, nine dingers, 63 ribbies, 51 starts, outfielder and first baseman. He's a senior. It's incredible. Look at some of these numbers these guys have put up here. Connor Denning hitting 352, 11 dingers for him, 38 ribbies. Matthew Christian hitting 350, 16 dingers, 61 ribbies. Bryce Arnold hitting 335, five home runs, 34 ribbies. And that's like I talk about. I mean, it's like you go all the way down this thing, these guys are going to swing the bats. They also run the bases a lot as a team. So their opponents on the year, 43 of 53 in stolen bases. You want to take a guess at what Campbell's done? Let me give you a second here. So, Campbell, 92 of 120. So, these guys swing the bats. They run the bases. This is a team that's very serious about scoring runs. As I share with you guys, too, VCU and Campbell both scored more runs than Arkansas did this year. Now, granted, it's a different level of competition, but these guys know how to manufacture runs. These guys know how to advance runners. They know how to take a base. And so you know, these, all these, you know, these casual experts, you know, oh, listen to me, you know, this this regional Mississippi State's not any good. Uh, guys, Campbell's good enough to win the thing. They are good enough to win this regional. This is a team again, experienced team. And again, many of those guys have already played an NCAA regional. They went and played at East Carolina last year, or two years ago, excuse me. It didn't work out for them, but many of those guys are back. they got a lot of seniors on this team. 
that were part of that 2019 team, and they returned in 2020 thinking, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll make a run at this thing, and then the season gets canceled. So they came back. So you've got some guys with a lot of Division One at bats, you know, under their belts. And looking back at that 2019 season, so they win, they win the conference, they win the Big South tournament, and guys, we're talking 20 to seven, 13 five, and then they win eight six. But I mean, they were dominating that tournament. They get into the NCAA tournament at uh, and play at ECU, right? Okay, so they beat NC State five four. Then they bet Quinnipiac 9-8. So they're in the winner's bracket alone. They're 2-0 to start that regional at ECU. And then they lost back-to-back games to ECU. And then they were blowouts. They got beat 10-3 and 12-3. But anybody that thinks these guys are going to come in here and say, we're just happy to be here, you're kidding yourself, man. These guys can play baseball. Not to mention I'm sure that has been the burning fire in the Campbell's uh, locker room the entire time is the fact that they got embarrassed in that ECU regional. And just, just because I'm curious, and I know you guys are too, let me, let me look up the, uh, the box score and the attendance from that last game over there. So, yeah, attendance was 5,206. So, yeah, it's going to be a lot more than uh, – a lot more <laughs> – than uh, what they saw down there. But uh, but listen, these guys aren't going to be intimidated. They're not. Nor should they be. They have earned their right to be here. This is a team that obviously uh, is very good in their league. And, and listen, the Big South is, you know, listen, you go back and look historically, these are guys that as a conference that have been able to go win some games and kind of, you know, change some regionals and upset some people. So don't be the least bit surprised if, you know, Campbell's in this thing to the very end. I mean, that's, again, the more research I do about these teams, because, you know, when it first popped up, I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, you know, what a cakewalk. And then all of a sudden you say, well, wait a minute, they, they were the Big South regular season champs? Oh, well, those guys were the SOCON tournament champs? Oh, oh and BCU won the Atlantic 10? Wait a minute. I thought we were supposed to get, you know, hammered. You know, it's like I thought, well, wait a minute, you know, what's going to happen with these guys, you know? So when you begin to kind of break this thing down, you begin to realize these are quality teams coming in here. I'm not trying to sell you a bill of goods. Should Mississippi State win this thing? Absolutely. Should Mississippi State be able to get out there and kind of get in that bullpen and extend these games? Absolutely. But anybody that thinks that we're going to come out here and just steamroll these teams and not have some trepidation along the way, you're kidding yourself. Absolutely kidding yourself. I don't know who we'll see if we play them pitching-wise. But, uh, you know, they got some guys out there that can pitch a little bit too. They got a better pitching staff than, than Sanford's got. So, as a staff, you know, these guys are 4.29. 4.29 on the year. Uh, Thomas Harrington's a guy that uh, got, you know, 14, what, 13 starts, 2.71 ERA guys. Less than one hit per inning. Hadn't give up many home runs. Has give, has been hit a little bit. Uh, get a little bit deeper into this thing. You got uh, you know Ryan Chase, six and two, four point oh five ERA. I mean, I mean you you can overlook these guys if you want to. I, I'm not going to. I'm not playing. But I, I'm not going to think 
that Campbell's going to come in here and lay down for us. Not going to do it. <laughs> I mean, you get cute if you want to. This time of year, there are no bad teams playing baseball. They're just not. There's not anybody that's going to be here just to get an M over S sticker and put it on their laptop. These guys are coming in here to beat our tails. They're looking at this as a chance to kind of validate themselves as a program. They can say, you know what, we went to that, that thing at ECU. It wasn't a fluke. We deserved to be in that winner's bracket. They beat NC State. <laughs> I'm just telling you, this is going to be an entertaining regional. Absolutely entertaining. I can't wait to see these other games because I'm going to watch them all, even the ones I'm not covering because I love college baseball. But, too, I mean, we're going to see some quality baseball this weekend, not just from Mississippi State. You know, and I, do I expect us to win this regional? Absolutely. I don't think it's going to be nearly as easy as some people are making it out to be. Portico, you guys have heard me talk about it before, and I've, I've had people reach out to me and say, hey, Steve, what's that, what's that number? I don't know if you guys are calling Brooks, but I've had people that are, a couple people that have reached out and said, hey, I'd like to connect with Brooks. I don't know if you want an autograph or you know, a signed picture or whatever, or, you know, get a picture of him uh, making that Robert at home run against Washington. I don't know. Maybe you just want Brooks Bryan's phone number. I don't know. But I'll give it to you. So if, if you're riding along today and you can't write the number down, contact me and I'm, I'll give it to you. But listen, Portico is a great place, man. It's a great residential development. If you are considering moving to Starville, there is no question Portico should absolutely be on your list of properties to review. I'm going to suggest because of its proximity to campus and its proximity to that new Walmart out there and that you can get on the highway very quickly and not have to go fight the traffic on 12, there is no question. If I was moving to Starville, that's the first place I'd go look is Portico. You, you turn off of 82 on a 12, like going to campus. It's, it's the first right. That's how close it is to the highway. But it's far enough away because it's, you know, it's back across Old West Point Road. You're not on the highway. You're just conveniently located to the highway. You're just over a mile from campus. What could be better? All of your friends can come see you on game day and come park at your house, walk them out of campus if they want to. And if you're a runner, man, you can just go leave your house in the morning and go run through campus. That's one of the cool things about living here. Back when I ran a lot, that's what I would do. I'd just go park there and park downtown, and I would run down University Drive, and I'd run through campus and around Davis Wade. And it's great. It's a great, it's a very runnable campus, and you're going to live right there next to it. So if you're looking to move here, whether it be a two-bedroom, four-bedroom house, maybe you're looking for an investment property, maybe you're looking for just a, you know, a getaway and say, hey, Steve, listen, we're throwing a lot of money away on hotels. Let's go ahead and just uh, buy us a place up there. Maybe we Airbnb it out and we don't use it. I got some friends who do that stuff up here now. Portico, absolutely a great place to live. I think there's one, maybe two houses left in phase one. Phase two is getting rolling. We got behind a little bit because of the weather. Not going to be a problem, though. And so many of you were thinking, you know what, when the kids get out of school, we're going to get serious about uh, – looking to move to Starkville. Well, kids are out. And at the very least, at the very least, make the phone call and get some information. Because if you're the person in your, in your family that's thinking, man, I really want to move to Starkville, you're going to have an easier job selling the idea of moving to Starkville if you already have all the information. You can say, you know what? It's only going to cost us this. And I've already talked to the banker, and there's this and that and that, and it's only going to be this and that. Brooks can give you all that information, 
601-416-8075. Again, that's 601-416-8075. I heard from some of my South Montgomery friends, too, because I made a comment the other day about I just wouldn't want to live out there. And it's not because I don't, there's not good property out there. It doesn't mean that there's not good people out there. It's just I don't want to have to deal with all that traffic, man. And so, again, if I was moving to Starville, Portico is where I would go because I'm, I'm a guy that's always traveling anyway. I want to be able to get in and out as quickly as I can. And then that, that neighborhood market is just right there. And so on, my, on your way home, I'm driving in. I could just go in a neighborhood market and go pick up a couple things for dinner, and then I'm back at the house. I don't have to fight the, the, the Highway 12 traffic. That is a wonderful thing. And if I have to go to the big Walmart, I can jump on 82 and bypass all that and get off of 25. It is so easy to do. And so if you're living on South Montgomery, maybe you should move to Portico. How about that? Instead of messaging me, friends, well, Steve, I like it out here. And I'm sure you do. I just don't want to have to deal with the traffic. And, and I don't have to deal with anywhere I'm at. I'm, I'm, I love to live out here in the sticks, man. We got, I mean, I got the Ponderosa out here, man. It's doing great. But if I wanted to be, if I was moving to Starville today, there is no doubt Portico is exactly what I would look at. And I'm not just saying that because they advertise with us. I'm just telling you just because I'm trying to give you some, you know, some objective thought about this i just don't want to deal with traffic and if you're like me and i I get i get anxious sometimes with all that stuff i don't want to have to sit in behind five or six red lights portico makes a lot of sense okay so let's talk a little bit about the 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 rams of vcu and i don't know if you guys know this they don't play football at vcu i thought maybe they played at a lower level you know because samford plays right samford plays and campbell plays uh, campbell plays uh fcs football and it's interesting too duty noble field holds more holds more spectators than air than all three of their football stadiums combined fcu I mean, excuse me uh, vcu just plays uh you know club football now and they've got like a three thousand seat uh football complex or whatever and of course it's never filled but that that kind of puts it in context when you think okay that our baseball stadium seats more than all three of their football stadiums big difference in the programs for sure so vcu though these dudes are legit man and i know i don't know there's probably some some of our haters listening to this show and thinking oh well steve's just trying to build up the regional i'm just telling you this is not the cakewalk some have made it out to be and as you guys are well aware vcu has won 21 games in a row they're 20 and 3 at home 17 11 away they were 13-3 and three in the regular season in their conference. This is a team that is legit. And they got off to such a slow start. I mean, they were swept to begin the year. They began the year, I think, what, 4-5? and five? And then you look up, look up at the end of the year, they're 37-14. and 14. These guys are not coming down here to be an all-seran. They're coming down here to win a regional. These guys are thinking, you know what, we can get to Omaha. We get the right matchup in a super regional, we get to Omaha. The guys are legit, I'm telling you. And people say, well, you know, look at the quality competition. You know, at UNC Wilmington, those guys were in their conference tournament championship game. Right? You know, Central Michigan, they're in the field. VCU beat them. You know, Virginia Tech gave people all kinds of trouble. They were ranked in the top 20. VCU beat them. You know, Virginia's in the tournament. You played them. You know, it's like, and they beat them. 
So, again, if we think, well, we're just going to show up here. And they beat Virginia twice, just so you guys know. Beat them twice. They sweep through their tournament. They have not lost a baseball game. Just to kind of give you some context here about this winning streak, they have not lost a game since April 11th. And in case you've forgotten, we're in June. It's been nearly two months since they have lost a baseball game. You don't think those guys are playing with some confidence? They absolutely are, and rightfully so. I'm ready to see them play. I really am. That Campbell VCU game uh, tomorrow night, I'm looking forward to that. I really, really am. That's two teams that I, I think play a pretty good brand of baseball. And I know what's going to happen, too. It's, you know, somebody's going to scare the bejesus out of us, and some people are going to freak out on social media. I don't understand. Well, you don't understand because you, you, know, you, you don't respect the opponents. You think just because you're unfamiliar with them, it should be bad. There's no bad baseball teams playing this time of year. I mean, there's a couple of teams that's, you know, that swept their tournament, you know, and uh, got in, I guess, what is it, uh, your Presbyterian got in with losing record and Southern got in with losing record. You know, but you know, by and large, everybody in a tournament's a good, legit team. So let's look at some of these numbers here on, uh, on VCU. Tyler Locklear, I don't think he's any relation to Heather. Uh, 51 games started, 16 dingers, hitting 344, 64 ribbies. This is a guy that's raking pretty good for them. Slugging of 705, man. Leads a team in walks at 45. He's been hit by pitch 20 times. You got to watch that, Tyler. We'll watch you on that. Only struck out 37 times. You know, a guy that obviously is swinging as hard as this guy is, you would think, okay, he's a free swinger. He's going to strike out a lot. Nope. Leads the team in walks. See, the guy that has the highest batting average, the most home runs, most RBIs, also has the most walks. And among the regulars, among the fewest strikeouts. This dude is legit, man. Liam Hibbets, and what a great baseball name that is, Liam. Some more like a soccer name, to be honest. He's another guy that's being very productive. Not at the same level of Locklear, but he's hitting 330. 59 hits on the year, 12 doubles, three three dingers, 58 ribbies. It's getting it done. Uh, Michael Haydack hitting 327. Uh, Stephen Carpenter hitting 325. So you got four guys over there. Not a lot of home runs in this order. You know, Sanford's a team that hits some home runs, but these guys from VCU score a ton of runs. I told you guys, Campbell and VCU score more than Arkansas. And some of y'all are scared of Arkansas. So, looking at numbers here on these runs, 429 runs. Their opponents, 257. You can do the math from there. I mean, these guys are blowing people out. It's it's incredible to think about. I mean, how do you win 21 games in a row at the end of the year? I can understand at the beginning of the year – you know, when you're playing non-conference teams and maybe you dip down and play some teams you shouldn't to kind of get your legs under you. But these guys won 21 at the end. So they found something. I'm sure they plan to keep it. But, again, we can't take these guys for granted. Looking at their uh, their pitching, uh, Bradford Webb, 13 starts on a year, just a 3-1 and one record, a 3.10 ERA. That's allowed just over a hit per inning. Uh, 52 Ks to just 12 walks. Batting average, 261 against. Tyler Davis is uh, as a reliever for them. 
But he leads the staff with nine wins, a 91 record, kind of like the Ross Mitchell thing, right? Uh, 4.18 ERA. He also allowing the hit per. Not the, the strikeout to walk ratio, not quite as impressive, 53-22. But he's keeping the ball in the ballpark. This is a team that doesn't give up a ton of home runs either. Uh, Mason Delane is another guy that's got a ton of starts, but a lot of no decisions. 16 starts, just 3-0 and uh, on the year and giving out well over a hit per inning. But this is a staff, too, you can tell they don't pitch a lot of innings. They have a lot of guys that throw, and so we're going to see a lot of different pitchers if we play them. And and maybe that's kind of by design. Maybe it's like, you know what, we'll let this guy get us through the order once, we'll get this guy in, we'll mix and match, whatever. But it's working for them, whatever it is. Uh, they have allowed – just 37 home runs and hit 56. I shared those numbers with you earlier. I mean, it's just uh, it's incredible to think about, you know, how, how many runs and home runs these, uh, these teams have put together. This is another team that's scoring a ton of runs. 429, as I mentioned earlier. They got over 500 hits as a club. Hitting 289 as a team. So, again, don't know who we're going to see. Don't really care. I expect to win the regional, but I don't think this is going to be the laugher that some other people say. And because of those misinformed fans, you know, they have kind of set the edge on this narrative about, oh, Mississippi State should just kind of it'd be a cakewalk. So don't buy any of that stuff. Because when we have to win a ball game, 6-5 or 5-4 or whatever, people are going to say, oh, look at Mississippi State struggling with those teams. These are good teams. They're good teams. I think the committee did a good job. Now, it's, I think it's interesting, too, that you know nobody in our regional has been to Omaha. There's only a handful, of, I think, two regionals that can say that. You know, And so, in that respect, yeah, I mean, you've got some people that hadn't played on a big stage before. But there is nobody in this regional that's going to be scared to come play baseball at Mississippi State. That's why I think the crowd has got to be a big part of things. And the crowd's got to really take over at times. Kind of let the, the, the team know we're in it. And I know many of you can't wait for other teams to get here so you can adopt them, you know, and you can feed them. And that's what we do. You know, we'll root against you for nine innings, but then we'll give you some link sausage. You know, that's, that's Mississippi State. It's who we are. So, uh, real quickly here, I'm going to run through, you know, some who I think are going to win these regionals around the country. Real quick. So, I mean, I don't think anybody's expecting Arkansas to get beaten a regional. I think Nebraska could maybe win a game and make that thing interesting, but Arkansas will win the regional. And I'll be honest with you, I love this Louisiana Tech regional. You know, Ryder's a team that, you know, I don't know much about those guys, but Alabama and NC State is a two-versus-three game. You know, I think Lane Burroughs has got Tech moving in the right direction. I won't be surprised if somebody else wins this. If Alabama won it, I wouldn't be shocked at all. But I'm going to pick Louisiana Tech. I think Tech will win that and set up a really cool super regional. Because, you know, Tech beat Arkansas earlier in the year. So Tech will have some confidence. And certainly they'll have Arkansas's attention. Uh, Moving down to the next segment here, you got Stanford and they have UC Irvine. I I like UC Irvine to take the bracket. I I really do. I think it'll be interesting. Stanford has has not had a losing weekend and, and I guess, won all year. But I like the Anteaters, and I think they're going to pull the upset. And, listen, don't sleep on North Dakota State either. 
as a four. I know Stanford should have elite pitching. Everybody's got one ace. And so North Dakota State, you know, those guys are thinking, let's just go win a game. They've won a bunch. Matter of fact, they've won more than everybody in that bracket. So, but yeah, I think UC Irvine's going to take it. And so then we get down to Texas Tech. This is a loaded regional. Oh, my gosh. Texas Tech, Army, North Carolina, UCLA. This is legit right here. I'll be honest with you, I don't think Texas Tech's going to make it out. I think UCLA is going to win this regional. And I know that, that you know, they're well there too, whatever. I think Texas Tech was a real, I won't say stretch, but I think of of the top eight, they're probably the one team you could make an argument that they could be, even be the 11 seed. I think UCLA finds a way to go in there and wins that thing. I really do. Uh, Arizona, I like Arizona. I know some other people are picking Oklahoma State. And I know UC Santa Barbara is kind of the hipster baseball uh, pick. I'm going to go with, uh, with the chalk here and pick Arizona. Ole Miss, SEMO, Florida State, so the Miss. Listen, I think Ole Miss has a scary weekend ahead of them. But I think they win the regional. And I think they should win the regional. The problem that's going to come up with them is they're back in their own ballpark. And you say, well, Steve, what does that mean? Well, you can't pitch quite as aggressively at University Park as you can at, at Hoover. And so they make a mistake here, it's going to cost them. I just don't think Southern Miss has enough offense to win the regional. And I think Florida State's just too inconsistent. So I think Ole Miss wins the regional. Uh, ECU, I'm not sold on these guys. I know a lot of people like them. And, um, you know, I think they'll probably win the thing. But I, I would not be surprised if Charlotte or Maryland won the thing. I'm going to pick ECU, but I don't have a lot of confidence in the pick, to be honest with you. Charlotte, had they not gone 0-2 in their conference tournament, it's hosting this weekend. But instead, Louisiana Tech is. So Vanderbilt's at the bottom, and, I, and I'll be honest with you, this is a Cush regional. I mean, it really is. I think it's even easier than Arkansas's regional. So you get Presbyterian at 22-21. and 21. Indiana State is a team that was in the top 20 in RPI for a while down the stretch. Uh, Dallas Baptist, of course, beats them out to win their conference. Uh, and then there's Georgia Tech. I'm not, it's not a Georgia Tech baseball fan. It always appears to me that for some, maybe the, some, whoever's at Georgia Tech gives the, the National College baseball writers insight and information uh, because of that baseball crazy state in Georgia. Remember, they need stuff for their rankings or whatever. Georgia Tech is always a little bit overthought. I, I think they're always getting a little bit overhyped. Not that they're on the same level as, as – is Florida State or, or the Ole Miss hype? It was that that that's legendary. It's incredible to me. Ole Miss been to Omaha one time in what fifty years, and then every year I've got to read about how they're a national championship contender. Every single year, it's a, it is a broken record. Guys, stop, stop. All right, so uh, we got Texas at the top here. I think Arizona State can make it interesting. And, you know, Fairfield lost their best player to injury, a season-ending injury. Not that I expected Fairfield to make any noise. But I thought Fairfield might take a game or two and maybe reach the regional final. I think Texas pitching is just going to be too much, though. Uh, I think this Florida regional is going to be extremely entertaining, and not necessarily because it's Florida and Miami. 
I think the South Alabama team is capable of winning a game or two. I think, you know, South Florida gets in at 28-27. I don't expect them to hang around long. But I think South Alabama is capable of winning a game or two and kind of hanging around for a while. I do think Florida wins this thing. I think Florida has a new lease on life. They're playing really good baseball down the stretch. And of course, they got swept by Arkansas. But, you know, the last, you know, six weeks or so, they have been among the hottest teams in the country. Certainly play well in Hoover. So I like Florida to take it. Uh, Notre Dame, you guys know my feelings, and I've not, many of you have, have reached out and said, Steve, I think you're sleeping on Notre Dame. I, I just don't I, – I, I, can't, I can't get on board with any of that. I, I think Notre Dame is very, very, very flimsy as a host. Uh, I don't think they're battle-tested at all. They beat Central Michigan in the non-conference. They'll see a Central Michigan weekend pitcher – I will not be the least bit surprised to see the Chippewas win that game. I also like Michigan a lot. I think UConn is an absolute bracket buster, and I'm going to pick UConn to win this. And that, that, that may be completely unorthodox, and maybe I'm going against the fact that Michigan is a team that last year was kind of the last team in and you know caught fire in the tournament. I think UConn, though, I think what will happen – is that everybody will beat each other up in this thing, and I think it's going to end up going uh, four games for the winner. And that's opposite us. And obviously I've got Mississippi State winning that one. If I had to pick a second-place team, I think it's probably VCU. Uh, TCU, that is, again, this is an interesting matchup here. Uh, McNeese State, I don't think McNeese can win a game, but I do think McNeese can scare you to death and make you burn through some pitching. Dallas Baptist in as a three. I like Dallas Baptist. I don't think they can win. I think Oregon State can win. I know some people are picking them to win, but I'm going to stick with TCU. I think TCU wins this. I do think it boils down to probably, you know, a full regional. I think that uh, the regional final will go two games. Then you got Old Dominion, Jacksonville, Virginia, and South Carolina. Of course, Jacksonville, one of those teams that got in because they got hot late, 16 and 32. That's one of those conference champions we talked about. I didn't mention them earlier, but they're one of the, the, the two or three teams that got in. Apologies here, had a little bit of a technical difficulty. but So, I honestly like South Carolina here. I know Old Dominion is a traveling one, and they have played really, really well and their RPI is really, really good. I just think South Carolina has finally figured out the pitching. Brett Carey is now starting for them on the weekends rather than just being a closer, and he pitched extremely well against us. So I think South Carolina, pitching-wise, will just be too much for Old Dominion. I think Virginia will make it interesting, but I think South Carolina, and, and they need to win that first game. And, of course, UVA is certainly capable of winning it. But I think – South Carolina probably beats Old Dominion in a winner's bracket game, and I think South Carolina has the pitching to hold out. I don't think Old Dominion does. Uh, Oregon, the one seed, and this is another – this is a a regional here you look at and you kind of say, you know what, if I wasn't in Starkville, I would kind of enjoy seeing this one. Out in Eugene, you have Gonzaga as a two that uh, lost their last series to San Diego that cost them a hosting opportunity. They're going to see LSU. Now, you know as well as I do, LSU will be ready to go to, to try to get, you know, a regional win for Paul Maneri and extend their season. And then you've got Central Connecticut State. They don't know anything about those guys. I think Oregon wins it. 
But I won't be surprised if LSU does. Now, I'll be honest with you, I'm disappointed in how LSU played down the stretch. You know, with the schedule, the way that it was set up, there's no reason they should have had to sweat out the tournament. LSU is just not nearly as good as we expect them to be. Now, we didn't expect them to be to challenge for the West, but we did think they would be in the tournament. And they're one of the last teams in, and I think, uh, you know, probably Paul Maneri announcing his retirement probably uh, swayed maybe some uh, some votes. But listen, their RPI was good enough to be in a tournament. This is not a nostalgia pick. But uh, LSU capable of winning this thing. I just think Oregon at home is going to be too much. But again, if LSU won it, I wouldn't be the least bit surprised. I know that some people are picking Tennessee to lose in the uh, in the regional. I am not. I, I think Duke is kind of uh, benefited from the fact that they've been hot late. But Tennessee has been hot late too. And people forget Tennessee made it all the way to the SEC tournament championship game. They pitched it really well all weekend. They're at home. Tennessee is going to win this regional. And, and listen, I know Wright State, again, that's the hipster baseball uh, school. People love those. They, they're not going to have a talent. They, they may win a game. They're not going to have a talent. Liberty, same situation. They're not going to have a talent. Duke probably has a talent to win a game and maybe force – uh, a two-game final, but Tennessee is too good, guys. It's like I, I see these things and I think, okay, did we not just watch the same SEC tournament as everybody else? And remember, Tennessee was that crazy call at second away from being in a winner's bracket to begin with, right? Remember that? Tennessee thought they had the game one, and then uh, Scott Klein calls a double play because the uh, the guy uh, you know threw his hand into the groin area of the uh, of the Alabama player. And so that's how close it was for them to be in a winner's bracket. And then they battle their way back to the loser's bracket and they get to the championship game. So I don't understand why everybody suddenly has jumped off the Tennessee bandwagon. I am still aboard. I think Tony Vitello will have these guys ready to go. And I think Tony, too, is uh, probably about to cash in on some major money. So that's your winners. And then next week we'll uh, have a chance to talk some Super Regionals and hopefully – we're talking about our own because if we're not if we're not talking about us, we're not talking about college baseball, right? I don't care. I, if we get beat, I'm not going to talk about Super Regionals until we're playing the Super Regional. I may watch them. We're not going to talk about them on the show. We'll get ready for football. So, and speaking of that, we've got uh, Top Dog Camp. I, I preferred it being Big Dog Camp, and I'm, I'm, I'm almost ready to just rebel against it because the Top Dog Camp was the Joe Moorhead thing. There was no need to change it in the first place. So I don't know why we don't just change it back. Big Dog Camp was a lot more fun anyway. So going to have camps for the first time in two years. Going to have most of the priority targets on campus this weekend. We'll get a chance to see them. I don't know if we're going to be able to interview them on campus. Used to when when they were released from camp, we could talk to them. I don't know if it's going to happen this year. But also, uh, we're going to have at least three people covering the camp. Uh, Paul Jones, Mitch White, Gene Swindoll for sure. And then I'm going to get out there as I can uh, after baseball. And so hopefully I can get over there and see some kids and observe and then certainly be back over there on Saturday. But even if I can't be there, we're going to have it fully staffed. We'll have pictures. Uh, PJ and those guys do a great job for you guys. But listen, this is a huge weekend for Mississippi State. And like you've got some guys that have already been on campus doing some unofficial visits. But it's a chance to kind of establish the pecking order among who you want, who's the priority guy. And so and there are a lot of guys, too, that are going to be trying Mississippi State on for size for the very first time. So 
I'm excited about it. So on Monday, we'll have a full recap of all of that in addition to our college baseball coverage. So if you're not a subscriber to Gene's page, you should be. You need to go ahead and do it today because we're going to have all this baseball coverage. And, again, I expect us to go to Omaha. But also, too, this is the fun time in recruiting. It's not just around signing day. This is when, you know, you begin to identify the guys. There's new offers. There's new commitments. Get on board with that today. Go to jeanspage.com. I want to share with you guys, too, before I get out of here, uh, Monday, Monday from 5 to 7, assuming we don't have a baseball game, and I don't expect that we will, 5 to 7, Monday, the book release party for my new book, Blooms of Oleander, will take place at Book Martin Cafe in downtown Starkville. So if you're in the area, please come by, say hello. And, I, and listen, I'll sign whatever book you buy, whether you buy Blooms of Oleander or Flim Flam or Stark Villains. They have all of them in stock, and so you can come by. It's going to be a book signing. We'll just have a little, a little discussion, may even do a reading. We'll have a good time. be some refreshments there. Uh, I'm very, very appreciative of the fine folks at Book Martin Cafe. Miss Carolyn Abadie has been wonderful to me. I don't, I don't know that I have a, a better friend in the literary community than Carolyn Abadie. And so I have released all of my books first at Book Martin Cafe, number one, for legal reasons, but two, because it's an incredible bookstore right here in Starkville. And uh, it's kind of my home store. There are a lot of times, too, if if she has an event going on or whatever and she goes, hey, listen, we've got this uh, – unwind event or tales and ales and we come out and sign some books and, and i do I, I go i'm happy to go do it you take care of the people to take care of you and so if you can't make it to town you can always call them if you need personalization you call and speak to Jen C or, or carolyn and they will take your order and uh if you need me to sign it for you a certain way it, and if you don't care about personalization you know what i've already signed 200 copies for them and the book goes on sale monday june 7th you can pre-order now you can go to Amazon and do it. You can go to Books a Million and do it. Go to barnesandnoble.com. Or you can call the bookmark. You can call Lemuria. Uh, so you don't have to wait. But the good news is it's about to be released. I'm eager to see what you guys have to say. Because uh, I have had a few advanced copies that I've you know, shared with some friends. And, and I don't know if they're just being nice to me or not. But uh, apparently they have really enjoyed the book. And... Uh, Again, people keep telling me the story I wrote about me and my dad. They always say that it, uh, they haven't been able to read it in one sitting because they have to take a moment. Uh, and so that means a lot to me, too, because it means that I have, I have properly conveyed my feelings uh, about all that. So eager for you guys to read that stuff. It's uh, the most personal thing I've ever written. A lot of it is just stuff that I was inspired to write. Some of it actually is personal experience, but I think you'll, you'll dig it. So Blooms of Oleander officially released monday june 7th if you're looking for merch go to starkvillains.com you guys have been very good about that as of late i want to thank uh, again ashley and angel camp for modeling the stark villain stuff of their own volition they didn't ask me they just did it right there behind home plate thank you ladies so much i love you both all right let's get out of here we'll be back on monday i can't wait and uh, i love this time of year as long as mississippi state wins because it's so painful if we don't. But listen, I expect us to take the regional. I don't want to make you guys nervous. But I also want you to understand these are not gimme games. We're going to have to go play good baseball. Until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we'll make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live.